Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Welcome to this edition of the Nonprofit Exchange. We're into our fifth year of these interviews with people making a difference in the lives of others. People who've got a vision. They might be doing their own vision. They might be doing somebody else's vision. But it's, an, it's a vision that they're qualified to lead. They surround themselves with good people. And they let their passion spread to others. Today, I have a, a friend of mine from the, the place I live in Lynchburg, Virginia. And it's Billy Russo. And Billy's going to tell us about a new sports commission that launches has launched a fresh, fresh approach to sports marketing. So it's quite an energy field here, and in, in, we're in central western Virginia, you know where the Appalachians are. Billy, welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange, and tell people a little about yourself and why you're doing this. Yeah, thanks, Hugh. I'm, I'm glad to be here. I appreciate you having me, and, um, and I'm really thrilled to share uh, our my experience here and, and our group and what we're passionate about, excited about here in, in the Lynchburg, greater Lynchburg area in Virginia. Um, uh, my background is in sport management. I've loved sports since I was, you know, a little kid uh, to the point like a lot of people are, you know, a lot of people do where they can't play them anymore professionally. So I decided to figure out a way to get into it professionally. And um, I did that through, uh, through a bachelor's and master's degree in sport management, sport administration, um, followed by uh, the last 12, 13 years working in um, in sport administration, uh, I managed um, part of two facilities um, at Smith River Sports Complex down in Martinsville, where I served as uh, executive director and director of operations. Um, and then I was the uh, uh, director of uh, operations facilities and DE Turf Sports Complex, which is a nonprofit up in Delaware, a brand new sports complex. So um, I have some nonprofit experience from working in the past uh, and as an employee, as well as um, I was on the board for the Commonwealth Games, the state games of uh, the state games organizing body of Virginia, uh, Virginia Amateur Sports, who is a nonprofit out of Roanoke, well known in the state. And uh, when I was on that board several years ago, um, I actually got introduced to Lynchburg and um, and through the sports scene because Lynchburg, uh, the games moved from Roanoke to Lynchburg back in 2016. And I was on the committee and board to help move those games from Roanoke to Lynchburg. And when we did that, I got to um, got to learn more about Lynchburg. Got to see the area, and I was shocked to see that there really wasn't a huge, um, you know, a collaborative effort to really market and capitalize on sports management and the opportunities um, that presented themselves in the area. So, um, at the same time, I met Ernest Carter, who is uh, working for Liberty University Athletics, and uh, we had strung up a relationship. Started talking about the needs in the community and different opportunities uh, that existed to enhance the sports marketing presence in a way. And at the time, we weren't sure if we wanted to, you know, he has some capital to do this. And, uh, and so we just started talking while we were in Delaware and, and uh, uh, when I was in Delaware and, and then uh, we met a couple years ago um, in Northern Virginia and he was serious about starting something to impact the community through sports development as tourism, youth sports, um, kind of recycling the money here that impact the area. And uh, we, 
at the time was just preliminary, didn't really know what that looked like. Um, but he wanted to, to learn more and wanted me to help lead that charge. And so um, I was curious to get back into Virginia. I was in Delaware for a year and a half, and my family is in North Carolina. So I uh, jumped at the opportunity. It's kind of a you know scary opportunity, as everybody would know, that works and, and create something from scratch or leave something that's solid to go to something that's new or I wasn't sure what that would look like. But um, I thought to myself at the time that in 50 years, if, you know, if I look back on it and look at the opportunity, uh, you know, I would, I would not know how it would turn out. So I uh, might as well take, take the opportunity while I was young and look at it as a, a way to um, expand my skill set and impact a community that I was uh, intrigued to learn about and live, live in. So we, uh, we were pretty uh, fortunate to, to come here a year and a half ago and, uh, first year we started, uh, you know, we started at first at Central Virginia Sports, kind of an LLC that was kind of a separate sports management group that, um, uh, because, you know, sports commissions are, there's 130 of them across the country and, um, and at, they're, they're usually part of a city or government or a county or you know, a CVB. Convention of Visitors Bureau, and so um, starting one from scratch that didn't really have that support at the onset, we saw it as a, a way to, um, you know, as a unique approach, but also we needed to do some research and development in the community, and so we did that about um, eight or nine, ten months, uh, talking to different groups, sports stakeholders, hoteliers, um, people that, you know, businesses uh, got involved in the business community. That's how I met you, you, and and through. Um, the chambers and the and the and Rotary Club and groups like that. So, get a feel for the community, what was needed, what was here. Um, you know, the State Games of America were hosted this past year here, but we knew about that event. But there's other events that we needed to learn about. So there's several things that we we looked at and studied. But um, the big thing for us is we came to the grasp that uh, organization was needed to impact the community through not only sport development and sport events and recruiting sport events. Um, the city of Lynchburg does a great job with their tourism department in doing that, and Liberty does that at a, at a level as well with their great facilities. But what we decided to do is um, kind of look at creating events, new opportunities that can impact not only economic development, but quality of life for the residents and youth sports um, in the area. They figure out a way to recycle all that to where it could make us sustainable, obviously, as a nonprofit, but also, um, you know, give back that money, partner with other nonprofits. There's several you know, 90% of the sports groups out there are, are volunteer driven nonprofits or, or, um, you know, they, they, they struggle with the people that have other jobs that don't have a lot of time and resources. And so we see ourselves as helping those folks as well. So we kind of, you know, got our bylaws in place and got it all worked out over, over uh, those first several months, as well as got um, our board of directors in line and people we wanted to serve on our initial board. And that's still ongoing. Some of those, you know, the board members are still ongoing and um, committee structures and all those things. But, and then we started to host some of our first events. So without getting too far into the next questions or anything, um, that's kind of where we are, where I came from, originally from Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, and, uh, you know, um, I, I, like I said, our, my, me and my family love the Lynchburg area. The big thing for me in impacting sports is, you know, when I used to work at sports facilities and sport events and, um, and I still do. But when I when I started out, the big thing for me is seeing the the 
impact. I mean, I, my family can't go to a restaurant in the community because, you know, it's full of people from teams from out of town and are spending their money locally and things like that. Um, that is a huge, um, that makes all the long hours and weekends and the week, weeknight works and stuff like that uh, makes it more valuable to me and, and, and more of an impact on my life. So, and then the other thing is seeing the young kids play and have an opportunity to play and, and uh, you know, any way I could do to give back to that in, in, a, in a professional way and um, is, is something that's worthwhile to me and drives me every day. So, you know, all those things, you know, uh, and the opportunity to be able to, you know, work in sports, game, which is, uh, um, I guess there's one of those jobs that you kind of say, you know, uh, you never work a day in your life kind of, kind of industries. And I don't want to say it's always like that because I work a long, a lot of long hours, and, but it's, um, but it's rewarding. And so it, it's worth it. And it's a, uh, it's a neat, uh, neat thing that you go to school for these things and then you'll be able to impact the community and that you live in. And, um, and so we have a lot of cool plans, a lot of exciting ideas and it's, it's cool. Well, let's, uh, let's dig into, let's dig into some of those. Um, yeah. And Lynchburg is a collaborative place. Um, as you know, I'm president of the Lynchburg Symphony this year, and we, we're forging collaborations with the other arts groups. And the, the similarity in what you're doing, what we're doing, is it's bringing people together in a non-political, non-toxic community of collaboration. We're working together. And, um, <clears throat> you know, we're, we're singing side by side. We're playing music side by side. We're building teams. So I teach about building ensembles. So there's an ensemble in, uh, in theater. There's an ensemble in music, and there's a sports team, and the principle is the same. You know, we're much better as we work together. It's the synergy of the whole, and you may not know it. I don't know my my, my um, co-host here is Russell Russell Dennis, who's on online here, and Russell yeah, and I are Russell. Russell and I are athletes. You know, I I run five Ks to uh, to half marathons. I don't look like it, but I make it there. And nobody dies. I ran the four miler here in the ten mile. My other sport is a spectator sport. It's where they go round and round on a track, and it's the southern redneck in me. Now, I, I'm surmising Russell is a runner because he runs so fast it blew all his hair off. <laughs> Russell, what, 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 do you get outside and do stuff? I do a lot of walking. Uh, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a slow, steady burn kind of guy. <laughs> Well, and Russell's other sport, brothers, Russell has a sport of, of, of harassing Hugh, and he's quite good at it. <laughs> it's just his way of showing affection for how we work together. Uh, uh, there, are other, there are other people who will testify to my skills at being a nuisance. Many others. <laughs> so, so, Billy, Billy, there's, there's an economic uh, component to this, and we live in some of the highest poverty in the Commonwealth of Virginia. In, in Lynchburg, it's 24.5%. You know, it fluctuates, and that's some of the highest. And then the 01 zip code where I live, it's 41%. And so part of your work is helping people have access to a whole different standard of, of community. And, you know, I, I would think there's a self-esteem piece with it, like, like people that participate in music. There's also this, this social piece of it, of how do we come together in community, regardless of class, regardless of pay, regardless of those other dynamics that we, that tend to separate us sometimes. So speak a little bit about some of those other, those other dynamics. Yeah. You know, sports is like, like music is a common language. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, there's when like Olympics, for example, I mean, there's not many 
many ways that we could get with Korea and Iran and different countries like that on the highest level of athletics, uh, where you put your political differences aside, you put your um, socioeconomic differences aside and you, and you compete and you um, have fun and you, um, and, and from a, from a grassroots level of a, of any kind of community, whether it be under, you know, whether it be impoverished or not, it's, there is several, there, there's just so many studies out there and prime examples of, of kids that, um, of youth that are impacted tremendously through athletic opportunities in sports where they have an outlet from, from everyday uh, issues in their life to where they can go participate in and, and, and um, you know, whether it be getting out of drugs or getting out of, you know, gangs or whatever that is to that uh, higher level and to the lower level of having, um, you know, just an opportunity to uh, participate and also that you can go into the op uh, obesity academic or epidemic and all these different things that um, plague our society and uh, sports have a big impact on those. The other thing is when it comes to travel sports and getting into those other levels and even in the youth is it's a recession resistant. Um, when it comes to economic development, it's tourism, sports tourism has grown consistently. Even in 2008, when we had the economic downturn, it still grew as an industry because the last thing that parents take out of their budget and their household budget is things for their kids. And, um, and you know, it's, it, it's a industry that continues to grow globally, nationally, regionally. Um, but from our from our standpoint in the state, I mean, Roanoke has been, you know, they announced uh, BBR Sports a few years ago, an initiative um, that, you know, they do a great job in Salem, Roanoke, and doing sport. Richmond's been doing, doing it for years. Virginia Beach is building a brand new facility. They've been doing it for years. Sports marketing, great. Hampton Roads, different places around our state. And we sit right here in the middle of the state as a uh, great uh, opportunity for us to to capitalize on, on those issues and and, and capitalize on um, not just on um, the economic development part of it, but like I mentioned before, the quality of life and recycling that money that's brought in from sporting events back into community efforts to uh, help provide opportunities and platforms for these kids. To play. And uh, that's, that goes down to facility development, goes down to program development, scholarshiping youth kids into, you know, helping them be able to participate, you know, and, and overcoming the challenges that they may have. So, um, our organization kind of encapsulates all that as a resource, and um, and so that's kind of where we're we're at on those issues. So, um, Russell, I don't know what you heard, but when he was talking about how they set this up, um, they did things that a lot of organizations we've seen don't do. They they surveyed what was available. You know, what it, before we launch this, let's see what's already offered. And so you spent eight or nine months, you said, prepping, doing your documents, talking to people, building your board, doing your, your planning for your structure. So um, the, the, the amount of um, effort you did pre-launch really set you up for greater success. Um, Russell, did that, did that alert you to any, uh, any other questions about how they, launched, how they launched this organization and what they've done well? Well, I've done a lot of things well. I mean, the, the whole notion of collaboration is something that I think a few people are still struggling with. And sports is a good rallying point because it seems to bring communities together uh, at at all sorts of levels. All, everything from from very young up through college and professional athletics, it has grown. 
in the midst of budget cuts for a lot of schools, there's some things that just stay. And sports is that thing that's that constant. It's that, it's that steady thing. It's that thing that seems to bring people together. Uh, so I'm kind of curious, uh, were there any real surprises as you were uh, getting plugged into the Lynchburg community? Uh, any pleasant surprises, any unexpected bonuses that you came across as you were putting everything together? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think there's always been a, um, we knew that, obviously, bidding on the State Games of America, 11,000 athletes they host this year in Lynchburg. We knew from a infrastructure standpoint that if they, you know, and I was part of that bid process back then, and the selection of that is, is, is difficult to select. You can, don't just select any city. You have to have the right hotels, you got to have the right, you know, restaurants, you got to have the right facilities, all that stuff. And so from that and that aspect, I mean, I think we, we, the sports stakeholders, kind of got it and understood what the what the opportunities were. I just think that, like in any industry in any city you go to, it's everybody's doing their own thing, and that's fine because that's their job. I mean, everybody does their own and stays in their lane and kind of you know operates on their events and their timetable. And and, and we saw it as more of a, a collective resource of uh, different sports stakeholders that could kind of um, you know brainstorm together network together and kind of we we create that platform for that for that to to allow that space and so we were pleasantly surprised but i think uh i think the um the support as far as knowing what kind of impact they could have um uh and everybody you know lynchburg especially the the, the business alliance and the chamber and the, the business community is very good at networking in this area um they have a lot of opportunities. They they take advantage of those opportunities. They're very well attended, and so those things are, are always a plus. When you're, it makes makes it a lot easier to to um, get people involved on the volunteerism level and and whatnot. So um, from challenges, I mean, you know, one thing we, we needed to and we still do every day is, um, like I said, this uh, sports commissions are usually run by governments, and so um, the reason why we did so much R and D also is is because we didn't want to. Um, duplicate or overstep or step on someone's toes that was already doing something. I mean, there's obviously there are sport organizations separately that do that, but from a government standpoint, I mean, there's, there's always political challenges when you start something that has um, partnerships involved with, you know, usually being politically funded um, or control or whatnot. So we've been very delicate and careful to kind of, you know, move around that, that, you know, from Lynch for tourism to, to other governments and other, um, destinations that that do sports tourism specifically or focus on heads and beds and different you know our ask, our, our focus is is on a greater you know resource of sport development and, and youth sports development and, and creating events creating those opportunities not just sports tourism so um, as long as I think we stay in that lane um, you know because that's already being done it's just we don't want to duplicate services and I think that's going to create a wrong message and confuse people. And, and so uh, I think, I think having all that up, all that, all that R and D up to what we did um, helped us not be able to misstep on that. So I think, um, yeah, you're always going to get some comments and rumors and things that when you start something, especially when it's, you know, you need to have an individual that has, has the capital to do it that wants to start an organization. Usually it's a government or you have a, a grant from an organization um, or, or, or stems off of something else. But 
um, we were not like that. And, and uh, you know, grateful for uh, Mr. Carter and what he wants to, you know, his vision on what he wants to see done. So I think, um, you know, we're still ongoing with that. I think, you know, there could be, you know, we're not susceptible to challenges down the road. I think, I think there's going to be, you know, there's going to be some, some that pop up and there's always going like every nonprofit. I mean, there's other internal issues that come up, but for us is, is education now um, and branding and, it really education on what we're doing, our mission, you know, our, and, and then putting something that someone can feel out there with an event or a, or an impact or some stats or some numbers or some pictures of, of, of um, impacting kids, scholarships, whatever. So those things that people can touch, those tangible things uh, can build credibility for us. I think we'll drown out any other issues that, that we would probably face. So I have um, a client I worked with uh, starting in 2007 which was has a similar footprint. It was it was like an Olympic event, but it was an Olympic. It was a German company that had been producing uh, Olympic events for choirs. Now we can't use that word because it you know there's it's guarded. But it was they called it the World Choir Games, and so through careful work we we brokered a deal and we went through the convention of visitors bureaus in several cities, because for um, for years they had written hundred mayors and gotten no responses because we don't know what goes on outside the country, but we brought the whole world to Cincinnati, Ohio in 2012. So we had a hundred countries, 20,000 participants, 600,000 spectators in a citywide event with 110,000 uh, hotel room nights. So that was a major economic impact, but here's what wasn't planned. The whole world came together and world peace descended on the, on the event. It wasn't that we were competing against each other, but there was this, this camaraderie. People were cheering each other on, even though you were competing. So it's yeah. like world peace is descending because you're not shooting people if you're singing with them. And I could see, you know, uh, you let something slip in here. I want to go back and highlight that uh, 11,000 participants on the Commonwealth games in Lynchburg, Virginia, a population of about 80,000. Uh, highlight that a little bit. And what kind of impact did that have here? Yeah, State Games of America happens every two years. Um, Commonwealth Games happens every year. The State Games of, you know, the actual State Games. This is State Games of America, which is all the states that have State Games uh, coming together here in Lynchburg. And so um, that event was made possible because of the great facilities at Liberty University, as well as the a collective partnership between the city of Lynchburg, Liberty University, several other partners. Um, and you know, our organization really, you know, I was part of that as a board member and part of a different organization back when we first bid on it and it came back. And when our organization was started, we saw it about a year before those games. But like I said, a lot of that was R&D. So what we did is, you know, our big thing is trying to, if that event can happen with 11,000 athletes, um, then you could host several other events. Um, now, facility space is unique. Your colleges, it's hard to find facilities sometimes. But you know, making people aware of how big this really was that, okay, here's some other opportunities because all these restaurants, all these hotels, you know, the airport, everybody that had the impact from this, you know, why would you not want to see more of that? Why would you not, you know, um, but the other thing is being prepared for that. Um, you know, I was in Chili's, a Chili's restaurant up, up near the airport uh, last year and there was a track and field event at Liberty, 360 teams, huge event. Wow. And, um, I think there were three people working at Chili's and, you know, they had lines out the door late at night, probably eight or nine, 10 o'clock at night. So on a normal night, they probably wouldn't have been busy, but 
they had no idea. And, um, you know, we, I was, I was with uh, my business partner, Ernest, and, and we both were like looking at this thing. We're like, well, you know, this is an opportunity for us as well to impact these restaurants, impact the community by more bringing more awareness. Because it's not this, it's not Liberty's job to do that. It's not their fault. It's not their job. Um, it's not, you know, um, you know, the city tourism, they're focused more on the heads of meds and tourism. It's not really a trying to get them, uh, trying to get the restaurants, it, you know, you could say it's a chamber, but that our chamber is really not. So, you know, we could fit that need for that, for that, um, I wouldn't say issue, but there's a lot of restaurants and hoteliers and people that don't know that things are happening. So they understaff and they do certain things that, um, make it, make it harder on the, on a, on them. And as well as, a maybe a bad experience on the, on the guest. And, and so, um, so we're working on an initiative to help, help those businesses in the area um, to impact them as well as get them involved with the event and go the extra mile on that. So I think that, um, you know, yes, 11,000 athletes is a lot of uh, athletes, but I, uh, and it's probably the max. I mean, the hotels are maxed out. Um, I guess. <laughs> and, you know, graduation, you know, you, you get in Roanoke and different places, they stay all over the place, but sporting events are a little different because, you know, they're, they, they don't like to travel outside in an hour radius. You could probably get them to stay in Roanoke sometimes depending on the event, but you know, there's other opportunities. Most of the events, I would say more than 50, 60% of the amateur events, probably more than that would be closer to 70% are under that range. And so if you can host that, then there's several other opportunities you can bid on and host. It's just getting that partnership and those engaging those people involved. Like I said, having a, a platform or resource like our organization to do that. Um, and with those contacts of working with them in the past, um, you know, that's what was missing. So there's, there's a whole mindset to uh, creating collaborative, collaborative opportunities. Um, so long-term um, what, what do y'all see as the impact that the, uh, we call it the CVSC, Central Virginia Sports Commission. What is the CVSC, what's the impact it's gonna have long-term? Yeah, so we see it um, as, you know, we use the model engage, partner, serve, and we keep going back to that uh, outside of just our mission as engaging community partnerships. So other, like I said before, you know, um, the three the three pillars that we're focused, we have a strategic planning session with our board coming up and um, we haven't had one on our board before and kind of, some, you know, our events and our, our things that we're going to focus on and not only 2020, but in the future. And the three things are, you know, creating an impact to our community that that folks can get behind. It's not just economic impact, quality of life. It's hard for folks to really, especially as a nonprofit, to look at, okay, what is that really? I mean, it's, you take that money and it's going back into the tax base, but like, you know, not pulling a political timer, but tax, <laughs> taxes aren't usually spent on things that people intend them to be spent on. And so it's, it's, um, that's kind of hard to say, well, that's going back into the government tax base and what is our impact on? So we want to recycle our event money that we create our events off of, as well as um, outside of our sustainability and, and the events that we recruit to bring in and impact community through scholarshiping with high school athletics, um, creating a scholarship for that, um, scholarshiping, helping kids with youth sports, having issues with participating, whether it be funding for registration fees um, across a wide range of athletic fields. Um, but the other, the other issue is um, what we just mentioned about 
like more of a sport ambassador program to the community businesses to where we, uh, you know, bring awareness to when there's all sorts of athletic events happening here that people may not know about and bringing awareness to them. But that's our, so there's three or four prongs there that we're working on with our community impact assessment to where, you know, it kind of pulls at the heartstrings of what, what our work is and what yeah. we're doing it for. That second part is creating events um, that impact economy, um, but also recruit, you know, recycle back into quality of life. And then that third part is, um, is uh, you know, recruiting events, bidding on events. So, for example, you know, City of Lynchburg, when my business partner, Ernest, was at Liberty, where he was trying to bid on sporting events for Liberty. And Liberty, because of compliance and NCA compliance, can't bid, can't provide bid fees to bid on outside events. Yet they have to get City or another partner to do that. City of Lynchburg doesn't have the funding really to do that on a, on a wide, wide range, wide scale. And so our organization will look at um, creating a, a pool of money to do that and to have, you know, realizing that investment will then have an, you know, recycled effect back into our efforts locally. So creating um, events, creating events and having an impact through, through um, initiatives that help youth sports in the area. Yeah, there's a formula for how that money cycles in the community before it leaves again. So every dollar spent, it gets re-spent in the community, what, seven or eight times before it goes out of the community. So right. Russell and I both do planning with nonprofit boards, and you said a very significant thing. You keep slipping these things in. I'm going to go back and pull right. them out. You're, you're doing strategic planning with your board. And, you know, we won't do it unless the board's engaged. And the the planning and the engagement have to go together. The, the planners are the doers. So that's a really good strategy. So. Russell, why don't you take a turn and ask Billy some questions? Well, yes, it's, it's pretty tough to, to make a plan without leadership involvement. I, the whole thing gets stalled out. And I love how you guys have taken the time to understand where you are, who you are, the value you bring, and how you fit into the community. Because uh, until and, uh, without having that knowledge of, of what you're doing and who you are and those foundational pieces, it's awful hard to engage with other folks in the community. So I definitely commend you for that. Uh, one of the thoughts that, that sort of crossed my mind uh, as you were speaking to all of this thing is the, is the reinvestment piece and the recycling of funds that are in there. But more importantly, as you're talking about where your position is understanding those needs that other people have and where that value benefits them. So it's kind of a whole community look. Uh, can you talk to that, how you guys put that together, where you were able to, to come up with a process where you look at the value that everybody in the community gets so that when you walk in and start talking with people, uh, you're ready to show them how collaborating with you is a win-win-win for them. Yeah, I think um, so. Our, our big thing is a, like a sports community. Well, let me go back. So we're looking at creating a community um, uh, sports ambassador kind of group. Um, it's like a, a working group of individuals that um, not just sports stakeholders, but also representing the hotel community. We kind of build our board similar to that. Um, our board is fundraising, you know, corporate, but some of it's also sports development and nonprofit 
experience. But I think that our board's not specifically a fundraising board or not a specific a policy board. But the one thing that we've decided to do or our next steps after we built our board is to get them engaged initially on committees, finding the right committees that would impact the community. And then those committees, you know, there's only three of them that actually will have just board members. The rest of them, we're going to get community members involved um, on those committees as well and not make them very large, but make them high level discussions on certain issues that, um, that we want to work on and we want to impact. And, and through that, it's a trickle down effect of how we, you know, get other organizations involved and businesses involved in what we're doing. And so um, we feel like it's, it's an approach that um, if we trickle down that way and have higher level discussions, instead of just, you know, we could do it. We talked about think tank meetings and having people bring ideas to the table, but we've seen when we first got here with, you know, we asked somebody a blank question, like, Oh, you know, what do you, what's missing in the sports area? Well, a lot of people don't think about those things. They, they look at us to do that. That's what our, you know, they're not, that's not their experience. And um, they probably wouldn't know what was missing if, unless we told them um, some things. They either see things are going well or they don't pay attention to it. Or it's not means that they're uneducated. It just means they don't pay attention to it. So I think an education level of getting different sports stakeholders to the table and bringing them, you know, high level discussions on here's some event bids that we could bid on. And then having them all in the same room, and I've seen this with our board already is, you know, people that didn't even know each other are now on our board and doing business with each other. And, you know, that's already a success for us. I mean, if we can do that on a level of, you know, every committee that we do or meetings that we do in a community that we're there, well, we're having an event, or we can help with that, or this person can help with that. Those people would have never had that conversation if it wasn't for us creating that platform for that, you know, being that resource. So, um, that's where we see it going. I mean, it has to be pretty high level because people are busy and they have, um, you don't want to sit in a whole room and, and listen to us talk about, you know, all the ideas we have to support our organization when they have their own job to keep them afloat. You know, what is it, what is in it for me and those kind of things. And, you know, um, and, and we understand that. So I think, I think bringing that those high level topics outside of those committees to, to those groups in the community, I think will, will, be uh, very uh, beneficial to us. So I think that's our approach. And we're actually at stage two on that right now. Our committees are formed and um, we, you know, we really want to, we're doing it faster than we probably like to just because we want to launch stuff in 2020. Um, you know, our next phases of how we want to impact. So, um, but, you know, everybody's been very, you know, uh, understanding. I think it, it still needs to be an education level, but, you know, um, different vessels and different ideas that we have, uh, you know, that we see that many other people may not see as important. Um, you know, it's, it's been, it's been good to see people kind of their light bulbs turn on. So we, we've been, we've been fortunate to see that success. And it is a big part of the engagement strategy is bringing the right people on board, people with the knowledge to fill in those gaps who can, can help put things together. Uh, talk a little bit about your process for how you sort of came to the conclusion uh, who you needed to have on the bus, uh, how to go about getting the people that you need uh, on the bus to make the thing move. Yeah, I think I think a, a delicate balance of um, of different parts of our strategy and our business um, 
and, and running a nonprofit like a business or more like a for-profit business. Um, because, you know, I hear all the time where, you know, folks that don't do it that way, I mean, they struggle and it's, that's what we're doing. I mean, no one's making money off of this. Our investor's not, you know, he's not, it's not an investment. He's, it's a, it's a gift more than anything. And so it's not him. He, he sees an investment as the return on impact and community. And, and that's what he wants to do. So I think from, from day one, um, we have our chairman of our board, Pete Lantman, who used to be the uh, director of the Commonwealth Games and State Games of America, 26 years, and he retired. Um, but he's very involved in different, different aspects. So he was our first call when we were starting and, and getting his feedback. Um, and then he's now our chairman of our board. Um, and then a couple different local sports players, um, Brad Bankston, um, who's the ODAC commissioner, commissioner of you know, he's been in the sports scene. He's a consultant now. He's been in the sports world for 30 years, but he's also stands organization and board development and those kind of things. But also a couple of business people that own local businesses, but happen to have nonprofit experience on boards and side jobs. Um, and a couple of those folks. Um, but also they have to understand when we met with them, when we meet with them and people introduce us to them, they have to be able to kind of grasp what we're doing and also not be, not be passionate off the base of what we're doing, but, um, you know, intrigue, understand, read, you know, be, be interested in it um, and, and show interest from their level, not just us asking them. So I think, you know, for the most part, that's what we've gotten. And um, we still have, I think, uh, I think our board set up for 25 people. We don't know if we'll be at that level. Um, right out the gate, we have 13 members now, and I think that, um, uh, that we're always looking for new members. It just it just depends on what they fit. Maybe they just fit a community um, committee or something. So, but finding that delicate balance. I mean, and then our, a couple of people on our board are more fundraising driven, where they want to help create fun, you know, fundraising for us and help, you know, fund development and help help fund what we're doing. So I think. Um, you know, there's a delicate balance. It's not a fundraising board. Like I said before, it's not a policy driven board. It's a, it's a board that we want to get more involved. We have quarterly meetings and we have an executive committee that we set up with six individuals that meet monthly. And, um, but our committee meetings, we want to be at least bi-monthly. So those people that meet quarterly are more involved and they just don't meet every, you know, three or four months and then they don't know what's going on. We want them to know what's going on. So, um, that's the phase we're in right now. And I think this strategic planning session and I think in the future, maybe we'll bring in um, someone that knows nonprofits like yourselves and and uh, have an outside approach because I've, I've been in that role before as far as having others come in. And it's a, it's a fresh approach to what we're doing. I think this first year since we just started, it may be important too, but and maybe we do that even after this. But um, I think we are at a level of uh, there's challenges and obviously funding is always, always one of and creating something from scratch and not knowing how it's going to go and the investment in and all that. But uh, we have a pretty patient um, person in, in, in Mr. Carter that's, that's, that's funding it uh, to start and a pretty, you know, patient and also realistic board and understanding how long things take and realistic approach to it. So I think that's a good thing. Well, that's the, the key to good engagement is just having the people work where they're best at to, to make maximum use of their superpowers and where they want to be. Uh, that's really critical. Yeah. 
So with what you're doing, uh, there's a lot of growth that's, that's going to come about. Uh, I can see this. Uh, as you go into your strategic planning process, what's, uh, what's the, the one overarching thing that you would say is probably most important for you to accomplish with that process right now? And I know that that's organic. It's probably going to shift a little. But what do you see that as being at this point in time? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's one, probably one word or two words, building credibility. And, um, you know, you can sit there all day. I mean, I think there's some people on our board are like, well, we need to make money. We need to sustain ourselves. And no doubt we do. And financials are always a part of that. Uh, but what are the little baby steps and the things, the big, the, the bigger steps and the baby steps that get you there? Um, and that's kind of what the plans circled around. I want, you know, how is this going to sustain itself? Um, how are we going to, um, but what the bigger picture is, you know, and looking at doing that, going back to community impact and the credibility of, you know, as a nonprofit, we have to always return to our mission, always return to, you know, folks are intrigued by us. You guys are, I mean, people are intrigued by us by the words we put on our paper or the things we develop based on our bylaws and the needs and the opportunities and uniqueness to what we're doing. Well, how do you put those action, you know, actions out there? And, and like I said before, tangible, tangible events, things that, um, you know, we, we, we signed, we, we were working with the Hillcats, their all-star game, uh, Lynchburg Hillcats local minor league team, 2020 all-star game that they, uh, that opportunity came quicker than we thought it was going to for us as far as being involved with something, but it, it would have went to Myrtle beach if we didn't step up. And so we, um, we stepped up to the plate to help with them with that. It's a revenue opportunity as well as an investment opportunity for the commission and part of our mission. And so, we're pretty excited to be a part of that this year. And that's one event that, you know, we can hang our hat on is building credibility. And um, there's other events that we'll create and, and be a part of, but, and so those are opportunities that we want to look at um, and, and not lose fact of the little baby steps it takes to, to get to our ultimate goals. And so um, I think the credibility and, and, and being a re, you know, being recognized as a resource connector and, that education level, those are, those are some things that we look at. And, but uh, yeah, this, this process is going to be getting our, we need our board to be in, you know, they need to give us input and feedback. Um, that's what they're there for um, these committees as well um, the community, get it back from the community and then, um, you know, go out in the community and do it. So Billy, from your seat, um, what are some leadership challenges you faced um, you know, which ones did you do well? Which ones would you rather do, have done differently? And then what's the leadership challenge you face going forward? And we got about five minutes here. Yeah, so it's, it's um, I'm used to working with a staff of four or five, seven people or more. <laughs> and I'm, so um, that, you know, going from a, from jobs before where I had to, you know, prioritize a lot differently, uh, now is a lot more. So I'm trying to get, we're, we have some interns going to be involved and are, like I said, getting our board more actively involved. Uh, the challenges, you know, are, are, are probably staffing and, and the goals, all the things that we want to do, matching them up with realistic expectations of if we can do them or not, because like planning, like you guys know with any kind of event, sporting event, no matter what it is, it takes a lot of work and manpower and time. And, um, and in order to do all those things and not get, lost with you know we need to so that's going to be a part of our 
session as well is, is there going to be reinvestment into that? Or are we looking at, you know, hiring somebody else or is it just going to be interns? So we're looking at the best way to maneuver that and, and what, what we need. But I think it's staffing. And then I think it's, um, you know, my leadership style. I mean, it's just, it's, um, you know, continuing. I, I've never, I never had a problem being passionate about what I'm doing. Um, but making sure that I stay on point with not getting, you know, doing, you know, our board's kind of looking at, okay, doing a couple things and doing them real well instead of uh, spreading ourselves too thin. I don't want to get in that, you know, box there. So, um, so that's where we are now and just making sure that we have enough manpower and help to do what we can do. That's that big, bold promise, the big, hairy, audacious goal. And those are a few things, do a few things well. And, and I think you're well poised to do that. Uh, but as with an organization like yours, what you're looking at is what I call social profit. And social profit encompasses all sorts of things, money, engagement, and there are a number of different approaches that's uh, pro bono assistance from the corporate community. So it sounds like you have a lot of exciting opportunities uh, coming up, but to plan them and plan them well and uh, do the first things first and the most important things uh, is really going to be key to, uh, to getting where you want to get to. So I commend you for that. And uh, bringing the right people on is definitely something that you want to continue to work on. Thank you. Yeah, you're correct. Absolutely. So what's um, in the next couple of minutes, what's happening next? Yeah, so um, we're working on a few, um, you know, we have all of our event ideas and the things we want to do in a nutshell as far as whether it be long term or short term, placing them into the year based on the challenges I just said, based on our staffing and what we're capable of doing, uh, which ones are going to benefit us to the most on credibility on, 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 on revenue and all those things. Um, so we're in that process now we're uh, developing the agenda and our plan for our strategic session, uh, which will take place um, in a couple of weeks um, or in three weeks. And so um, we'll have that though, you know, our committees will be established way by then. Um, and they'll have kind of a direction on where they're going on some highlighted items. And then, um, we plan on trying to get something out more into the community, whether it be through press and through different promotional marketing of what our objectives are for the 2020 year um, and not losing sight of the long-term focus. So uh, that's kind of where we are. Um, you know, I think there's our next event um, is, well, it depends on there's some, there's some smaller ones focused on equipment drives and things we want to do for youth sports. It could happen as early as February. Um, but for planning purposes, a lot of our events are going to happen more towards the spring and summer and kind of back, back, back. They're going to be lined up quite a bit. And that's just because they take a long time to plan. So um, those have to go well because they do take so long. Um, and as far as fundraising, I mean, a lot of that fundraising is going to be based on, you know, that marketing of what our impact is and tangible assets for people to touch, events to touch and things that um, we're doing uh, and then getting governments involved in the future maybe is a possibility, but for now it's, you know, it's, um, it's we're kind of on our own on that. So I think it's, it's focusing on, like we just said before, doing, doing a few things and doing them really well so that we can, um, you know, start moving the needle 
um, on what we need to do. There's probably um, some collaborations that we could forge where we could learn about collaborations from each other, even though the arts community is a distinctly different uh, demographic, different kind of profile. There are some similar things that, that well, the app you showed me the other day, I mean, I have that on our list of stuff that we want to talk about on how we uh, get involved in that. So yeah, I mean, any, any ideas that we can share? Absolutely. That brings us to our sponsor moment. That's the easy card that I, that I showed you. Our sponsor that lets us do these things and push them out there. So there's no cost for people is easy card. And it is like the letter and the E and the letter Z. Um, it's a card. It's a virtual card. It's more than a virtual card. It's a marketing platform. It's a recruiting platform. It's a, it's a collaborative platform where all of your supporters can have the Lynchburg Symphony in your hand or the Central Virginian Sports Commission uh, mm -hmm. in your hand. So they yeah. know what's going on. And they, you know, most of us do a lot on our phone anymore. And, you know, even, even old guys do that too, like Russ and Hugh. We do a lot of stuff on the phone. <laughs> Uh, so easycard.com. So if you want the Center Vision Easy Card, uh, send a text to 64600. Get out your text program in your smartphone, any kind of smartphone, and then put the number 64600 in there. And then where the message is, put LDR. It's abbreviation for leader. LDR to 64600. You'll get a text back. And it says, welcome to Center Vision Leadership Foundation's Easy Card. And there's a hot link you push. And then it opens a web-based uh, virtual card for your organization. And you know, it's easy as that. You're talking in front of a group, and you've seen me do this, Billy. Text this number. Then everybody has your information. Well, guess what? You have everybody's information as well. And so you can push stuff out by text to them, or you can send another text and say, hey, Give us your email so we can keep you appraised of what's coming next and what we have so you don't miss a single opportunity. So in a few weeks, we got 150 people into the Lynchburg Symphony app. We call it an app. It's sort of like an app, but you don't download it. And then depending on the kind of phone, you can push a button and save it on your, on your screen. And so I just pushed the Lynchburg Symphony button on my screen, and there we go, or the CenterVision screen on my phone. So we're getting a, a larger adoption with the Center Vision Leadership Foundation's uh, website. We can put our sponsors on there, on the easy card. We can put just rank and file supporters on there. So support right. these businesses who are supporting this entity that helps all nonprofits do a better job. And so there's been a lot of really good nuggets here in what you said. And basically what I've heard you say is you've, you've, adhered to best practices for launching and growing uh, an independent uh, 501c3 organization. We, per, we, um, we kind of, this is the nonprofit exchange, but we also realized that the, the word nonprofit inherently is a lie and it, it, it forces us into scarcity thinking when there's really abundance, when you put some energy into what you're doing and invite others to support that. And um, it's a for-purpose organization. And certainly, we have learned that about Central Virginia Sports Commission today. So, Billy, as we're ending this um, thoughtful, informative uh, interview, thank you for being here. What, what kind of advice or thought or tip would you like to leave people, either people who are thinking about setting up a new entity 
Now, yours is a pretty big deal, but sometimes people start with a smaller entity, maybe feeding people or clothing people or housing people or helping with literacy. There's lots of different cause-based charities. So in thinking through how to either start one or how to, maybe I started out of the chute and I didn't do some of those. So I want to go back and think about restarting and do it right. And from, you've, you've highlighted a lot of things, the due diligence, the, you know, doing the surveys, doing the economic impact surveys, um, putting people on the board that are very purposeful and having a very clear uh, idea of what they're supposed to do. Um, there's a lot of really good best practices. So as a parting thought for people, what tip or advice or thought would you have for those leaders out there who aren't quite sure of how to proceed? Yeah, I think, um, I think being efficient, patient, and networking. I mean, I, I, I think asking people for help or asking them for their opinion or, or talking to folks just like I am now, I mean, talking to other folks that have done it before or do it currently, or, you know, know that you're not alone, um, partnering with, you know, the word partner, we keep using it. And it's the reason why it's in our slogan and, you know, engagement and, and serving um, those, you know, partnering folks can impact not only, you know, yourself, but them as well as others that see you. And it's just a, a contagious effect, but um, you know, finding ways to, to, you know, uh, have leverage with other organizations and build those, build those partnerships, I think is huge. And so not being afraid to ask, other folks and be involved with organizations that do a well job at networking and you never know what you're going to learn. I always tell myself to learn something new every day. And that's, you know, it's very important. Brilliant. And uh, you've done that. You've done a lot of learning. You've done a lot of collaboration and bringing people to the table, knowing that making a positive impact in the community is not just a job for nonprofits or government or businesses, but for everybody, it's an all-person job, all hands on the deck. Thank you very much, Billy, for this insightful interview. Keep doing what you're doing. You're doing all of the right things. Thank uh, you, Russell. It was very nice to meet you. And uh, yes, it's very nice to meet you. Forward to, to meeting you face to face and sure. and and learning more about what you're doing and and supporting that because. Uh, as an old friend of mine likes to say, none of us is as smart as all of us. So that's why we bring everybody to the table. I'd like to thank all of you out there who are nonprofit leaders, people out there in the social spaces, making a difference every day to make your communities better through collaboration and whatever tools you can get. Uh, the Nonprofit Exchange is here every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, if you can't be here at that time, not to worry. Uh, we're on iTunes and Stitcher where you can download our podcast, subscribe. You'll never miss an episode that way. And uh, you can come to the centervision.org website where we have this broadcast and other great resources like the Nonprofit Performance 360 magazine that comes out quarterly. So, uh, when you do come, uh, there's a big blue button in the right-hand corner, in the upper right-hand corner that says join us. Uh, you can join from the Easy Card app too. So we look forward to seeing you next Tuesday when we have another edition of the Nonprofit Exchange. Until then, thank you for all that you do. Keep on making a difference. And we shall see you next week at this same time.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.